Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Oran, Algeria at the African Nations Championship, joined by Solis Chukwu in Lagos, Nigeria and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we have more from the 2022 African Nations Championship here in Algeria, with the host meeting Senegal in the final. Also, we look at the draw for the Under-17 Africa Cup of Nations, with Nigeria, Morocco, Zambia and South Africa drawn together in the same group. Yeah, it's definitely the, the group of death, I think, but uh, that is what soccer is all about. Players would like to play against the top teams. That's coming later. Also, lots on the busy transfer window that closed on Tuesday. We assess Nigeria forward Terram Moffi's move to Nice in France, and we have Stuart on the big moves in the English Premier League. So, hello again from Oran, Algeria's second largest city in the northwest of the country by the Mediterranean Sea. The 2022 African Nations Championship, or CHAN, ends on Saturday here, with the hosts Algeria playing Senegal in the final. Well, the knockout stage has been very exciting. I was at the standout game as Algeria beat Niger 5-0 in the semi-finals here in Oran, with almost 40,000 fans watching. Well, Algeria had struggled for goals up to this point, winning all four games 1-0, two of those needing penalties, as this was a statement win for the Fenech Foxes ahead of the final, as they were way too good for Niger, who did well to get to the semis for the first time. Uh, Ayman Mahius, the Algeria main striker, scored twice. He has five goals and is set to be the tournament top goalscorer. Now, Senegal beat Madagascar 1-0 in the other semi-final with an early goal. Uh, Madagascar, like Niger, have been big surprise teams at the tournament. This is their debut appearance at the Chan. Uh, Senegal are looking for an unprecedented treble of winning the Africa Cup of Nations, the Beach Soccer AFCON, and they want to add to that the Chan to make it a treble. Well, this is the seventh edition of the Chan. It's certainly set to go down as the best ever, with great crowds, great stadiums and excellent organisation. Well, I'm doing TV commentary for the Confederation of African Football here in Oran. Uh, there's a beautiful stadium here. Still very cold in the North African winter. Uh, not as bad as it was last week, though. We've had lots of sun this week and had a lovely day out on Wednesday. We went to visit the city's highest point, the Santa Cruz Fortress, on top of a mountain built in the 16th century by the Spanish. And from up there, we had a spectacular view of the city and of the blue Mediterranean Sea. And people here have been very friendly to us, and it's been a great experience being here. Uh, so the Chan is a tournament like the Africa Cup of Nations, but it's for home-based players only. Uh, already many players have been signed by clubs outside of their country. Uh, so making moves, uh, those include Algeria's Ahmed Kendousi, who's going to Al-Athli in Egypt. Uh, Ghana midfielder David Abagna has been signed by Al-Hilal in Sudan. Also going to Al-Hilal is Senegal's Usman Jouf. 
Koloina of Madagascar is going to MC Algier, expecting several other players to be signed by Algerian clubs. And Portuguese club Gil Vicente FC have signed Angola striker Depu on a three-and-a-half-year contract from Petro Atletico for more than $400,000. Depu really impressing in Angola's two games here. So we'll see how the final goes and more on the Chan on next week's show. Well, in other stories, the delayed 2022 FIFA Club World Cup is underway in Morocco. Seven teams taking part, two African teams. Widad Casablanca are there, representing the host nation, also as the African champions. Also, there are Al-Athli of Egypt, who are runners-up in the Champions League and hence get a spot at the FIFA Club World Cup. Uh, Al-Athli entered in the first round. They beat Auckland City of New Zealand 3-0. Goals for Hussein Al-Shahat, Mohamed Sharif and the South African Percy Tao. And Hussein Al-Shahat joined Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo and Gareth Bale as the only players to score at three editions of the FIFA Club World Cup. Now, Al-Athli will play Seattle Sounders of the USA in the second round and Widat Casablanca enter at the second round stage. They meet Al-Hilal of Saudi Arabia. Both of those games will be played on Saturday. And the under-17 Africa Cup of Nations draw was made this Wednesday, taking place in April and May here in Algeria. Twelve teams take part, they're in three groups, and the four semi-finalists qualify for the under-17 World Cup to be played later on this year. Two-time winners Cameroon and Mali are drawn together in Group C, along with former champions Burkina Faso and debutants South Sudan. The hosts Algeria are in Group A with Senegal, Congo and debutants Somalia. And Group B no doubt looks the toughest. It includes two-time winners Nigeria, Morocco are there, so too South Africa and Zambia. Here's the South Africa coach, Duncan Crowey. Yeah, it's definitely the, the grip of death, I think. But uh, that is what soccer is all about. Players would like to play against the top teams. And here we've been uh, granted the opportunity to do so, to play against the uh, top uh, countries as far as soccer is concerned on the continent. And uh, if we make it out of this group and we qualify to, or, or at least get to the semi-final, then we deserve to play in the World Cup because then at least we've played against the best. We've been tested against the best. And uh, on the way forward, is, you know, it's something to look forward to. And now our preparations need to be spot on as well. But um, we'll see how it goes. And, um, yeah, this is what uh, uh, soccer is all about. That audio from Safa Media and the Under-17 Africa Cup of Nations kicking off at the end of April here in Algeria. We're next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Uh, Ida's away again this week, and I'm joined again by Solis Chukwu in Lagos in Nigeria. Uh, lots to talk about. We start with women's football, as Nigeria forward Asisat Oshwala has been on fire in Spain with Barcelona women, with two hat-tricks in the space of five days, as the club has gone 50 games unbeaten, Solis. Yes, yeah, Steve, as the Oshwala, I mean, what more can one say about this lady? She's just magnificent. She's on a roll now at this point, racking up goals and assists and excellent performances for Barcelona. We've sort of gotten used to uh, Barcelona's dominance over La Liga Femini and also in Europe. Um, but even within that, uh, within that model of absolute dominance, Oshwala has managed to carve a niche for herself. And I think the most impressive thing for me is the fact that when you reckon with Everything. Oshwala is not always an automatic first pick at Barcelona, especially when it comes to the bigger European games. 
Um, we've seen what she brings. She's athletic. She's quick. She's a great finisher. But um, obviously, we know Barcelona. They have this ethos in terms of their play, running across all of their teams, which is um, they keep possession of the ball, play very intricate. She sort of exists outside of that matrix in that she has that cutting edge that you know the pretty patterns may not always give you. So she's that weapon that Barcelona can use, and they know they can deploy when the going is tough. Uh, but even beyond that, in terms of league play, she's managed to establish a good rhythm in terms of her production, and it just goes to show what a fantastic player she is. She's not someone who needs particularly needs a run of matches to produce her best form but when she does get it even then she just looks unstoppable um playing in the spanish top flight and um to have someone this good you know in african football and still we have people who are competing with her on the same level in terms of being the best player in the continent it just goes to show the level to which african women's football has grown i think Yes, it certainly does. Um, and in men's football now, another Nigerian, Terum Moffi, made a big move to French club Nice on deadline day. He's been sought after by several big clubs. Was he capable of delivering there at Nice? Yeah, this is this is a very peculiar, uh, very interesting move. It's, it's quite intriguing in a number of ways. Um, Moffi is someone who, as we know, I was attracting a lot of interest from the Premier League, from Southampton, interest from Everton, um, even West Ham at a, at a particular point. But then in France, there was also interest from Marseille, but he seemed hell-bent on going to Nice, which is a bit strange considering that all of these other clubs seem to have ready-made um, vacancies for him to fill, but he's very insistent on Nice. I would have really liked to see him do, see what he could do with Marseille, who are obviously fighting in the upper reaches of the table. I think they're third in Liga at the moment, so I would have liked to see what he would do there, but, um, Nice seemed to have won his heart pretty early on in the, um, negotiation transfer process, and finally he's gotten his move. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what he does and how he performs there. He's had a fantastic first half of the season with Lorient. Um, Murphy is just, he's really a complete striker. His link-up play is good, is good. He's very physically imposing, powerful runner, excellent finisher, and he's someone whose game has matured a lot. So I would like to see how he brings that to bear on Nice, who, you know, as we know, Nice are owned by Ineos. They are very ambitious. You know, the financials are really good over there at Nice. Their, their project is, is really kicking on at this point, even though there's a bit of a lull at the moment. I think he's the sort of player who can pull them up the table to where they reckon they should be. And if there's one thing about this move that gives, that brings some optimism, it's the fact that if you look at Murphy's career, he's tended to make the right moves at the right time. Um, he's not someone who rushes moves. And he's not someone who dallies when the opportunity comes. I mean, his father was a professional footballer as well. So you can tell that that advice has filtered through. Um, he, he moved at the right time from Lithuania. He moved at the right time from Belgium, always leveraging, um, the interest just when it's right. So I would, I would think that, you know, even beyond some of the skepticism that some people have, I think this is worth looking at and worth evaluating based on what he actually does there, because I think it might be one of those moves where, you know, it's not exactly apparent what the thinking is, but by the time he actually starts to play and he explodes there, it will be like, oh, okay, yeah, we, this, this is what he was aiming at from the start. So I'm very intrigued to see how this one turns out. All right, so we'll look out for Terra Moffi, the Nigerian forward at Nice in France. And Solis looking more at the French League One as we're at the halfway stage. Which African players are impressing there? Yeah, as we know, Ligue 1 has always been a happy hunting ground for African players. You look at a club like Angers who've been struggling quite badly. Um, I think 
Nabil Bentaleb has been one of the few bright spots for them in midfield. And the Algerian is a very combative presence, very box-to-box midfielder, and I think he's um, he's performed. He's kept his own personal performances up, even while Angers have struggled. Um, as they do Nunahi, the Moroccan has you know jumped ship from Angers, has moved to Marseille, and he's already gotten off to a fantastic start for. Um, for Marseille, we saw his brilliant goal against Nantes just the other day. Great to score on your debut, obviously. Always excellent. He had a great World Cup with Morocco, obviously, and um, the expectation is that he kicks on, continues in Navin, and a lot of top top clubs who balked at his transfer valuation, you know, he makes them eat eat their words and regret their their inaction in the transfer window. Um, Lons have a couple of great African players there. Seko Fofana, the Ivorian, is just the byword for excellence and consistency at this point. But it's interesting how they've brought in um, Ghana midfielder Salis Abdusamed to play alongside him. And it's just been like nothing ever happened. There's, it's almost like a seamless transition, I think. Um, Brisamba, the Congolese goalkeeper, has been excellent for them too at the back. You know, Lons obviously are very solid. That's the entire basis of their play. So it's important to have an excellent goalkeeper and they have that in Samba. Um, you know, there's, there's so much to talk about. Ashraf Hakimi, the Moroccan is still, you know, is still chugging up and down the wing for PSG. Um, even when their performances falter, he's still consistently brilliant for them. Um, I, I'm going to cheat a little bit and mention Fulain Balogun, who's top of the goal charts now. He's of course eligible for Nigeria, even though he's also eligible for, you know, for England as well. But he's been excellent for her and it's just, it's just remarkable how how much he's exploded on loan from Arsenal. So there's there's him as well. There's Yusuf Baleli. Um we know as this dribbling wizard was a great part of Algeria's run to glory at the twenty nineteen Africa Cup of Nations. He's you know he's continuing to dazzle defenses and bamboozle fullbacks. And also Gideon Mensah who was a part of Ghana squad to the World Cup. He's doing really well for Bordeaux. Well, many thanks there to Solis Chukwu in Lagos in Nigeria. So some of the African players are shining in France in the first half of the season. Azadine Unahi, the Moroccan at Marseille, and another Moroccan, Atraf Hakimi at Paris Saint-Germain, and a Folarin Balogun who could play for Nigeria, uh, doing well at uh, Rennes. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And a still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League. Uh, what is going on at Liverpool? You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And in other news, we talked about Ivory Coast international Sebastian Haller on last week's show, making his competitive return after testicular cancer for Borussia Dortmund in Germany two weeks ago. He was in the starting lineup last weekend in the game against Bayer Leverkusen, coming off after an hour as his comeback continues. And also last week, we talked about Nigeria forward Victor Osimen and the great season he's having with Napoli in Italy. Well, Napoli are now 13 points clear at the top of Serie A as Osimen scored a superb goal in their 2-1 win over Roma last weekend. And on social media, we asked last week, which club do you think Victor Osimen should move to? Uh, Manchester United and Chelsea both in the picture. They could be looking to sign a striker in the July-August transfer window. Even Real Madrid. Uh, so we asked, who do you think Osimen should go to? 
We had a big response to this one. It was really interesting. A T-Fly in Ghana says, please can he go to Manchester United? And Malang Sambu in the Gambia says, I think Osimen is among the top two strikers in the world at the moment. He's in top form and contributing a lot at Napoli. I'll be happy to see him at Old Trafford next season, says Malang. Mohamed Wage says only Mbappe and Lewandowski are better than Osimen at the moment. And Nugumba Ifechi Christopher in Nigeria says I think Real Madrid would be best for him. Nahomi Marcos in Ethiopia says he shall sign for Chelsea. That's the destination of glory for African players, says Nahomi. Uh, but interestingly, most people felt that he should stay at Napoli for a while. Belong Baji in the Gambia says, I think it will be better if he extends his contract with Napoli. At times, an early move can affect your confidence, says Belong. Le Chabo Edward Mashadza in Botswana says, I would say he should stay put for now. I've seen a lot of players crossing the floor, only for them to lose their touch due to different systems and culture, as well as the league that they moved to. He should stay for at least another two seasons, says Le Chabo. Uka Idam in Nigeria says let him remain at Napoli and carve a niche for himself there. And finally, Namdi Unoma, also in Nigeria, says Osimen has the characteristics of a striker who can thrive anywhere except for his injury issues. He should take his time for his next move. He should try and win the Scudetto in Italy, see how much he can do in the Champions League if possible, and then weigh his options carefully. Real Madrid would make a beautiful destination, Chelsea would be delighted, but he should first win something, says Namdi. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments there, and uh, always great to hear from you. Well, now let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK, and a hectic, high-spending January transfer window, especially in the closing hours and days. Um, what stood out for you there, Stuart? Well, I think time alone will tell, Steve, who has done best. But Chelsea were by far the biggest spenders. $370 million on eight new players, including Enzo Fernandez, the Argentinian World Cup winner, who cost $130 million. And that is an awful lot of money for somebody who's 22, who got his first cap for his country only last September. And his total experience is 53 games in Argentina and 17 in Portugal. And it leaves Chelsea, incredibly, with a first-team squad of 40 players. Yes, Steve, I said 40. Arsenal bought Leandro Trossard, the uh, Belgian from Brighton, but Arsenal actually failed to achieve their two main targets, uh, which was Michaelo Mudrik, Shakhtar Donetsk, who seemed to be going to Arsenal and then at the last minute decided on Chelsea, and Caicedo, another Brighton player, who I was going to say decided to stay at Brighton. I think it was more the club decided they weren't going to let him go. But Arsenal did secure Jorginho from Chelsea. He's 31, but he's made 15 starts in the Premier League this season. And I think it's really strange of Chelsea to let somebody who's a first-team regular leave and go to one of their rivals. And there were 10 Africans who have come into the Premier League uh, during the, the last month. Bournemouth have got three. You know, we, we mentioned uh, that uh, last week. Ouattara, um, Semenyo, who's from Ghana, and uh, Hamad Traore from uh, Ivory Coast. And Chelsea have picked up a 20-year-old 
Iborian Fofana, Leicester City have a Ghanaian Nathan Opoku, Southampton have got two African new players, Kamaldin Sulemana, uh, Ghanaian, and Paul Onuachu, uh, Nigerian. Now, Tottenham have signed Arno Danjuma, who is a Dutch international but was born in Nigeria. Wolves have signed Mario Lamina from Nice, who is from Gabon. But sadly, one African who's going nowhere is the Chelsea player uh, Hakim Ziyech, who was on the verge of signing for PSG on the last evening of the transfer window. But three times Chelsea submitted the paperwork and had mistakes in it, and the transfer failed. But Steve, I think you have to say that the best business in the transfer window was done by Benfica who signed Enzo Fernandez last September for $10 million and sold him six months later for $130 million. Nice work if you can get it. Yes, that was an incredible profit, wasn't it? Um, asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. Um, which is the standout transfer for you in this uh, January window? Uh, was it Enzo Fernandez to Chelsea, uh, Mikhailo Mudrik to Chelsea maybe, or Jorginho to Arsenal? Uh, maybe you're excited about uh, one of the African players uh, getting moves there, as uh, Stuart mentioned, the likes of Dango Watara to Bournemouth. You can post a message on our Facebook page. That's a Planet Sport Football Africa. Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Which is the standout transfer for you in this January window? So let's go back to Everton, who we talked about on the show last week, uh, with uh, Frank Lampard being fired. Uh, former Burnley coach Sean Dyche is uh, now in charge uh, with a team that's got a big battle against relegation, Stuart. Yes, Dyche is 51. Uh, he was Burnley manager for 10 years, 2012 to 2022, but was fired last season towards the end of the season with Burnley in the relegation zone. Not that it helped, because the club was still relegated. As a player, Dyche played 400 games as a professional in England, mainly in the lower divisions. He did well at Burnley. When he was appointed, they were in the Championship, and he immediately got them promoted, but then the following season relegated, and in his third season promoted again. But then they stayed in the Premier League until last season, when he was fired. I've always liked Dyche because of his straightforward, honest appraisals of his team. In interviews after the game, he would make comments like, we weren't good enough, or we only had two shots in goal and you can't win like that. Really refreshing to hear a manager giving you the honest answer rather than talking around the question. Incidentally, Steve, I mentioned last week that it seemed that Everton's preferred candidate was Marcelo Bielsa, the former Leeds manager. And it was reported that he had agreed to take the job, but only from the start of the next season, suggesting he could manage the youth team in the meantime. Now, that all seems very strange until you understand how Bielsa operates. He's never taken a job in his career at a new club except during the close season. And that is because he has a particular way he likes his players to play and believes he needs a month with the players before going into the first game. 
So going to Everton in the middle of the season would not have worked for him. But going back to Sean Dyche, the big question is, can he keep Everton in the Premier League? I said last week that the squad of players didn't look good enough and they made no signings at all in the transfer window, but they lost Anthony Gordon to Newcastle, arguably one of their best players. Now, Burnley is a small club in a small town and Dyche did brilliantly to keep them in the Premier League for as long as he did. Everton is a big club, but a big club which has been mismanaged and a big club with a poor team. Dash is a fighter, an experienced Premier League manager, but whether he can solve enough of the problems, not only in the team, but also in the club, to keep Everton in the Premier League, for me, is a big question, and I'm not convinced that he can. Yes, it won't be easy. And um, to another club uh, in crisis, I think we can say, uh, Liverpool playing away to Wolves this weekend, uh, continuing to struggle in the Premier League and knocked out by Brighton in the fourth round of the FA Cup, Stuart. Steve, there was an extraordinary headline in my newspaper recently. Jurgen Klopp says I'm not leaving. Well, no one expected him to leave, but what is surprising is that he felt the need to say that. And it has been a horrendous period for Liverpool. You know, they lost league games 3-1 to Brentford, 3-0 to Brighton. Teams that a year or two back, Liverpool would have blown away. Then they had a 0-0 draw at home to Chelsea, couldn't even get a goal. And if you want to go back another game, they beat Leicester City, but only after Leicester conceded two free-goal goals. And then last weekend, back to Brighton in the FA Cup, they take the lead and end up losing 2-1. A tough time for Liverpool, who are currently ninth in the league table and 21 points behind Arsenal. Yes, 21 points and out of both the domestic cups. Their only signing in the transfer window was Cody Gakpo, uh, an excellent Dutch World Cup player. Um, joining their other signings from the previous transfer window this season, Luis Diaz, but then he's long-term injured, Fabio Cavallo, who hasn't really made an impact, and Darwin Nunes, and I think the jury's out on him. Liverpool, frankly, just do not look the team they were last season or the season before. Now, Klopp says that he thinks part of the problem is that Liverpool played 63 games last season, and that some of the players are physically and mentally still recovering from that. Klopp, who has been manager of Liverpool since 2015, spoke this week about needing to manage a transition, explaining that he is replacing players who have been successful at the club but are coming to the end of their career, and at the same time trying to integrate some of the new talent like uh, Harvey. And he said, it's been a challenge. And one of the reasons I signed a new contract was because I knew the problem is long-term, not something that will go away overnight. Throughout the problems in the transition period, we've had so many injuries. That makes life complicated. And while the majority of the world is just interested in this week and the short term, we have to be focused on the long term as well. I would add to that that I think Liverpool are missing their Senegalese striker Sadio Mane a lot more than they expected to. And somehow Mo Salah doesn't seem quite the player he was without Mane alongside him. And with 
Chelsea, Arsenal, Newcastle and Manchester United spending big money in the transfer market, Liverpool are in danger of being left behind. Yes, I guess we'll never know exactly how much uh, of an impact Sadio Mane's departure from Liverpool made, but uh, uh, they're not the same team uh, right now. And um, what else have you got for us, Stuart? Now, the League Cup final, which is in the last week in February, is between Newcastle United and Manchester United. A great opportunity for one of those teams to win a trophy. And do you know what I liked about Newcastle getting to the final, Steve? Is Newcastle have German, French, Brazilian, Peruvian, Dutch, Swedish, Spanish, big money signings. And they got two goals to beat Southampton this week, both scored by Sean Longstaff, who was born just outside Newcastle and has been with the club since he was a teenager. A lovely story, that. Southampton got a direct free kick last weekend and Roman Peru scored it. Since 2018, Southampton, in fact, have scored 17 goals from direct free kicks and James Ward-Prowse scored the other 16. What a remarkable record that is. And finally, Steve, sometimes you have to make a sacrifice when you take a new job. The old Everton striker and assistant manager of Everton, Duncan Ferguson, has just been appointed manager of Forest Green Rovers. The word green is significant in the club title. Uh, It's a really green agenda. And Ferguson, it is reported, has become a vegetarian. (laughs) <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, going green, uh, going vegetarian, all part of the job then at uh, Forest Green Rovers. Well, thanks so much, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers at the African Nations Championship in Algeria, from Solis Chukwu in Lagos and from Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.